Welcome to the All People's Church podcast. We believe in loving God, strengthening families, and developing leaders. We are so excited for you to hear this life-changing message recorded live at one of our worship experiences. Remember to share and subscribe to this podcast and enjoy the message. Uh, The Bible says that when Moses was near the end of the 40 years he was spending in the wilderness uh, serving his father-in-law, that he was on his regular duties and as he was walking, the Bible says that he saw a bush burning. And it grabbed his attention. And he told himself, hey, I, I gotta check this out. Why is this bush burning, but it's not being consumed? And the Bible says that the angel of the Lord spoke to him. And then when he got there, God spoke to him. And one of the things that was said to Moses was, Moses, take off your sandals for this is holy ground. Take off your sandals for this is holy ground. The reality is, that that was the same ground that Moses had been going back and forth on for 40 years. It was the very same ground. Except in this moment and on this occasion, God was present. And it was the presence of God that took something that was ordinary to Moses and turned it sacred, turned it holy. See, before God sets you apart, he actually invites you into a place that is set apart. And the place that is set apart has to do with his presence. For if we are to be a people who are called to be set apart, we cannot be set apart without his presence. Until his presence actually comes and invades our life, you and I are common and ordinary. But it's when the presence of God actually invades our life that we become what the Bible calls holy, that is set apart. And so Moses experiences the presence and the power of God. God says, take off your sandals, Moses, for this is holy ground. Now, 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 here's how you and I probably understand this scripture. Because it is sacred, because it is holy, Moses, take off your shoes, which are unclean. Hello? And how many know that that's true? If you're going to step into a place that is sacred, if you're going to step into a place that is clean, you have to leave out what is unclean. Leave out what is unclean. Get rid of the old, Bible says, to put on the new. But here's what I believe also took place. The Lord turned the ground holy. Meaning as long as Moses was wearing shoes, he wasn't actually touching the ground. His shoes were. As long as Moses was wearing shoes, there was a barrier between him and what is holy. And so Moses, take off your shoes. This is holy ground. You are going to experience me. I'm going to touch you without any barriers in between. 
For the Bible says that there is one mediator between man and God, and that is the God-man, Jesus Christ. That God is actually inviting us into a place in space this week where there are no limitations and no barriers between us and him. That our reality actually infuses with his reality and we get to experience his holiness. And I believe that this week God is going to remove every crutch that you have been leaning on instead of leaning on him. And you have told yourself, if this thing didn't exist, I wouldn't really get to experience God. And I believe God is going to remove that. God is going to remove that. What I love about God is that he shows up in the spaces and places we call ordinary. And he turns them sacred. He turns them sacred because he shows up. And church, I'm telling you, this week will be wasted if he doesn't show up. If he doesn't show up. Now, are you ready for a crazy thought? Yeah? God can show up in this room and not show up in your life. that nearness to God does not mean intimacy with God. Because we can study the Gospels and we can see all those who stood in close proximity to Jesus and yet never received the power of his presence. Right? And I could tell you of a story with a woman of the issue who heard about a man named Jesus. And even though she was unclean, she found her way to get to him. She crawled on her hands and her knees through a crowd to touch the hem of his garment. He said, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I know I'm going to be healed. And the Bible says Jesus felt virtue leave his body. And he said to his disciples, who touched me? And you have to understand the context of the situation. Jesus is surrounded by people. Jesus, who touched? Everybody's touching you. Who touched? Yeah, but faith feels different. Faith feels different. There's people touching me, but there's somebody who just touched me with faith. And so proximity does not mean intimacy. And so God could be in a room and not be in your life. Which means you actually have to invite him. I remember one of the things that the pastor is telling us to pray on a daily basis is invite the Lord into your day. So you actually have to invite him into your life. And you have to surrender. You have to surrender. You have to surrender. You have to yield before the king. You have to yield before the king. And that means putting aside your interests, putting aside your agenda, putting aside your preferences, 
And you have to allow the king to sit on his throne. Because that's the only place that the king can rule with authority is when he sits on the throne. And if he doesn't occupy the throne of your life, you've not given him any authority over your life. It is when he occupies the seat of authority in your life, that is when you actually give him authority. Right? And, and can we just be really honest in church? Yeah? Um, that is difficult. That is hard. And I don't want to be an individual who stands up here and tells you it's so easy to surrender. It's not. It's not. You know when it gets easy is after the surrender. <laughs> because now you've reaped the benefits of him being on the throne. But to get yourself off the throne and allow him to sit, yeah, that's difficult. That's the part where you have to crucify your flesh. That's the part where you have to deny yourself. That's the part where you have to say that it is far better for him to occupy this seat and not me. How are we doing? And so God wants to come into our, our lives this week to take what is common, to take what is ordinary and turn it turn it holy. How are you doing okay? Yeah. Paul in, in Philippians is writing to an audience um, from prison. And he's writing to an audience who have had some disagreements amongst themselves and he gives them practicalities to get over these disagreements. And by the end of his chapter, he's wrapping everything up and he names two specific people who are probably kind of at the heart of this disagreement and he tells them to get along and, and the rest of it. And then he closes his, his letter off by saying, hey, here's what I want you to do. Um, I want you to rejoice in the Lord. When, Paul? Always. Yeah, but we're not getting along. I know. Rejoice in the Lord. Yeah, but I'm still waiting for that prayer to be answered. I know. Rejoice in the Lord. I'm struggling at work. I know. Rejoice in the Lord. I'm a stay-at-home parent, and I can't take much of this much longer. Rejoice in the Lord. I'm barely able to pay my bills, I know. Rejoice in the Lord. When? Always. And again I say, rejoice. And notice that Paul does not say, rejoice in what the Lord is doing. He doesn't even say, rejoice in what the Lord can do. And we know he can do mighty things. He says, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord, in his character, 
in his nature, in his essence. And you can only do that if you know him. You can only do that if you know him. See, as we mature in our relationship with God, we go from rejoicing in what he can do and what he will do, and we mature out of that because we come into the secret place. And we experience not his benefits, we experience him. And so we grow. We mature from being people who are all about God answered this request, and God can, and God will. But we grow from that and go into a space where we now know the one we are talking to. Do you know that you can know God? No, no, I mean like you can know him. Like you know your spouse, you can know God. God is not a principle to be grasped. He's not a formula to understand. You don't don't have to worry about inserting the right variable so that you can get the right outcome. No, no, no. He is a person to know. He's a person to know. And you can actually know him. You can actually know him. And life gets so exciting when you begin to know him. I really don't know how people who don't know God live. Your life must be so boring. Your life must be so boring. All you must worry about are the things you can get. All you must worry about is the income you must take in. All you must worry about is the car and the house that you can have. All you must worry about is the clothes you wear. All you must worry about... But when you know God... See, the Bible says something very interesting. Jesus is teaching on prayer, and he goes, hey, listen, um, don't be like the Gentiles when you pray. God, I need this, I want that, I want this, I need this, I need that, I need to... He goes, no, no, don't be like the Gentiles when you pray, comma, for your Father in heaven knows what you need. (laughs) For your Father in heaven knows what you need you need. And so guess what happens? I can trust him with my needs and I can stop being anxious about my needs and I can actually get to enjoy him. And a lot of times we don't get to enjoy God is because we're so anxious about our needs. We're so anxious about our needs. And he goes, hey, don't be like the Gentiles. Your father in heaven knows exactly what you need. So Paul says, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in him. Um, Another way of saying that is celebrate God in every moment. Celebrate God in every moment. Now, you can't celebrate everything at all times. Hello? Hello? Like, you can't celebrate your birthday every day. You can celebrate your life every day. But if you were cutting cake and posting on social media that it's your birthday every day, like, you might have a problem. You know what I mean? Paul is writing 
writing this from prison. Hear me out, hear me out, hear me out. He's writing from prison. Imagine all the things you cannot celebrate from prison. You can't celebrate good weather. You can't celebrate going out. You can't celebrate fresh air. You definitely can't celebrate good food. And Paul goes, I'm writing this to you from prison and I'm in a place where there's so many things I cannot celebrate yet, yet, yet. The one thing that is unchanging is that I can celebrate the Lord. See, that does not change based on my circumstances. I can celebrate the Lord. I can rejoice in him always, no matter where I'm at. I can celebrate him. He continues in verse five, he says, let your reasonableness be known to everybody, which is your gentleness. In other words, your witness should not be private. If the only person in your life knows that you celebrate God is you, you have a problem. If, see, a daily, a, a, a daily habit of celebrating God ultimately turns into a life of celebrating God, right? Because seconds turns into minutes and minutes turns into moments and moments turns into days and days turn into weeks and weeks turn into months and months turns into years. And if no one else can see that you're celebrating God, you have an issue. It means your witness is private. It means you won't let anyone in on how good God is. And so he says, let your reasonableness known, be known um, to everyone, which by the way implies that you're with other people. <laughs> right? It implies that you're, you're with people. Now, 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 let's continue because I only have a couple more minutes. He says this, he says this. He says, um, Do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about anything. Um, have you ever, Elroy, you're good. I'll call you back in like five minutes. Um, have you ever gotten a response from somebody and you didn't like the response you got? Hello? Amen. Right? Um, parents, you probably know this with your kids. What did you just Right? Um, I, remember, I remember in elementary school, uh, one, of, one of our teachers, she was going around and she was asking, um, she, hold on, let me preface this by saying, who I am today was not who I was back in the day. I got a preface. That's important, that's important, that's important, okay? Um, and so I was a bit of a hooligan um, as a child and... Um, and my teachers knew that very well. And so, um, you know, elementary school teachers ask you, so what do you want to do when, you, you know, when you're older, when you, when you grow up? What is the occupation you've been dreaming of? Um, and I said, I said to this one teacher, I said, uh, I want to be an astronaut. You know, because most kids say, it's like doctor, astronaut, firefighter. Like, those are kind of the main, I don't know, is there anything else? Lo- lawyer? <laughs> what kid says Lawyer? That's amazing. I, my parents, 
Man, they would have been a lot happier with me if I was thinking lawyer. Um, I was thinking astronaut, not because I, I was good at math or science. It was like, I want to go on the moon. I want to wear that spacesuit, you know? Um, and the teacher goes, the teacher goes, here's her response. Here's her response. Um, she goes, uh, do you have any other ideas? <laughs> you know, and I was so offended. And uh, that's why I became a pastor. No, I'm kidding. That's not why. That's not why I became a pastor. Um, and I didn't, I didn't like her response. And I'm, I'm reading this. I'm reading the scripture. And it's, it's almost as if you ask Paul, um, hey, Paul, what do I do with my anxiety? His response is, don't. No, Paul, what do, I, what do I do with my anxiety? Don't. Don't what? Don't be anxious. You go, what? <laughs> no, no, what do, I, what do I do with my anxiety, Paul? Just don't be anxious. I go, I don't, I don't think I like that response. I don't think I like that, that response. And yet, it's a command. Do not be anxious. Now, that's where we start the verse. The verse actually starts before that. The verse starts with, the Lord is at hand. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious. You see how that changes the perspective? You know what it's like, parents, if you have kids, you, you can totally relate to me, and I've got nephews and nieces, and so, so, I, so I understand this a little bit as well. Uh, you know, it's, it's when your kid wakes up, uh, and they look around, and nobody's there, and so they start crying. Yeah, uh, before you actually get to the room, what do you say? You say, I'm coming. Or you go, hey, I, I'm right here, mommy's right here, daddy's right here. And so they hear your voice as an indication that you are coming. And your expectation is that they would settle down and sink into the peace. Hello? That is approaching them. And so it's imperative that we understand that this verse does not stand in isolation. Do not be anxious. No, 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 no. It is accompanied with the Lord is at hand. God is telling you, hey, I'm right here. I'm coming. Don't worry. The Lord, the Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. Does that help your anxiety? Doesn't it? He's right there. He's in the other room and he's coming toward you. <laughs> that is so good. Matthew 6, Jesus touches on anxiety for quite a few verses. Um, and he says something similar to what Paul says. He goes, uh, hey, don't be anxious about tomorrow. Don't be anxious about what you're going to wear, what you're going to eat. Don't be anxious about these things. And you go, okay, Jesus, what should we do? And Jesus, the counselor and the therapist steps in. And Jesus goes, um, are you anxious? You go, yeah. 
He goes, here's what I want you to do. I want you to look. Look at what, Jesus? What are you gonna tell me to look at? You're gonna tell me to look at my future and see how bright it is. Look at how all things get worked together for good for those who, are lo- who love you and are called according to What am I looking at? Are you gonna open the veil and let me see the good that awaits me? No, no, no. He goes, uh, look at the birds of the air. Let's go bird watching with Jesus. Uh, look at the birds of the air. Um, see how they neither toil nor struggle and yet your heavenly father takes care of them. Birds, um, some are very exquisite and exotic. We can go to the tropics and some of you from the islands, you know of exotic birds who are beautiful and with colors. But in Canada, we have annoying birds. You know what I mean? We don't have birds with color and, and beauty. We have birds that poop on our car and seagulls that try to eat our food. I don't know about you, but over the years, seagulls are getting more brave. You know what I'm saying? Like, they will snatch it out of your hand. You know what I'm talking about? Like, they're, they're hood. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they're not playing. <laughs> and he goes, he goes, he goes, as annoying as these birds are, I want you to know that there's a father in heaven who's taking care of them. What? Yeah. There's a father in heaven who takes care of them. He goes, hey, hey, I want you to look again. Where? Um, Look at the fields. See the grass? See the lilies? He goes, "Uh, they're clothed in splendor greater than Solomon. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. That's what he said, right? That's, That's the book? Solomon was the richest king that had ever lived. And he goes, uh, now their their beauty is actually greater than the splendor of Solomon. How? Because there's a father in heaven that takes care of them. What? And he goes, you know the funniest thing about this grass and these flowers? Um, They're here today and they're going to be gone tomorrow. Wait, what? So why is God giving so much attention to this? That's just who he is. He cares for what he created. And then Jesus asks a crazy question. He says, are you not of more value? Are you not of more value than these things? And you go, whoa. Okay, Jesus, you're good. You're good. See how he did that? Look at these, look at that. Are you, are you not of more value than these things to the Father? I can't answer that question for you. I can tell you you are, but you have to know. Right? And this is why sometimes there's a discrepancy between the, transform, the transformative power that the preacher is talking about that is found in Jesus and the experience of that power in your life. Right? Because the reality is you cannot be convinced into transformation. 
Whatever you get convinced into, you can get convinced out of. Right? This happened to me with, um, with like diets and eating and all of this. Keto was a huge thing until somebody came along and educated me on keto. I said, well, it's not really sustainable. You should actually look at this and da da da. And I go, oh, okay, forget keto. And now I'm fat, so I should probably go back to keto. <laughs> yeah, you can't, someone can convince you, they can, somebody can unconvince you. And so until you have the encounter with the holy, your common life will remain common. Are you not of more value than these? In other words, if God pays such attention to annoying birds and to things like flowers and grass that are here just for a moment, how much more will he care for you? How much more does he love you? And so then he says, pray. Do you know what prayer is? Prayer is spending time with the one who loves you the most. Does that make you want to pray? Because it makes me want to pray. Prayer is spending time with the one that loves you the most. And I have such an encouragement for you. You do not have to twist God's arm. You don't. He will show up. He will. He will show up. Worship team, you can come up because I just looked at the time and it's 1130, so. Um, how are we doing? We doing Okay. Kim, what are we singing? The Lord is my shepherd. Oh, that's good. That's very good. Okay. Um, it's coming, okay. Okay, as they get ready to come, uh, just final thought. Remember when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden? The Bible says this, um, and I love this. Dallas Willard points, pointed this out, and, and I just want to bring this up for you. Um, the Bible says that Adam and Eve heard the sound of the Lord God. That's what it says. That's what it says. They heard the sound of the Lord God coming toward them. Now, they went and hid in their shame and in, in their guilt and in their sin. But Dallas Willard says something very important. He says, he, says, he says, here's what that shows us about God. It shows us that God gives us space. Whoa. That God is not a God who is standing over your shoulders, lording over you. He, he gives you space. For if God had to walk toward them, it means he was not next to them. He wasn't standing over their shoulder, ruling over them. 
And some of you think that that's who God is. That is not who God is. God gives you space so that you can have an opportunity to choose him. I wish I had time to go into this, the full scripture, but Paul says, hey, if you pray with supplication and with thanksgiving, then the peace of God, the peace of God, the peace of God will come and guard your minds and your heart. In other words, in other words, it will guard your soul. The place of your emotions, the place of your thoughts, it will guard that part. Okay? And then he continues and he begins to talk about how you should think on these things and you should practice certain things, which means uh, peace is practiced. Hello? Peace. He says, think about these things, practice these things, which means peace is practiced. And then he ends the whole thing off with, and, and the God of peace will be with you. So it goes, from, it goes from the peace of God guarding my heart, coming into my life. And then the conclusion is the God of peace. The God of peace will enter my life. In other words, in other words, in other words, here's what he's saying. Peace is actually a person. And his name is Jesus. And his name is Jesus. And Kim, he, he is our shepherd. He's always going before us. He's always leading us. He's always guiding us. And even though we go through the valley of the shadow of death, we fear no evil. Why? For his rod and his staff are with me. They, they comfort me. And he promises surely goodness and mercy will follow me the days of my life. One final thought. You remember when Jesus shows up in the middle of the storm and they think it's a ghost? And he says, hey, it's not a ghost, it's just me. And Peter says, Lord, if it is you, tell me to come. And Jesus says, come. And you gotta love Peter. Peter steps out of the boat and he begins to walk toward Jesus. Peter is walking on water. Okay? And the Bible says Peter gets distracted. And he takes his eyes off of Jesus and he begins to sink. And the Bible says, you can go, you can go read this in your own time. The Bible says, immediately. Immediately. Immediately, the Lord grabbed Peter. And he pulled him up. And he pulled him up. You know what? You want? You ready for this? Kim, you ready for this? I'm ready. It did not matter how close Peter was to Jesus. He still sank. sank which tells me that the Bible does not promise us a life without sinking we will sink watch this watch this even in our sinking we're safe because immediately he reached out and got a hold of him you know what the resurrection of Jesus teaches us? That even in death, we're safe. Come on, how good is that? 
even in death, we're safe. So come on, why don't you stand? Let's worship our shepherd and our king. God, we invite you into our midst. Come and lead us and come and guide us. You are our shepherd. In Jesus' name.